Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense, Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the record fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score that would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, for the world of gridiron greats, welcome to gridiron greats football history to memorabilia on the gridiron greats publishing and broadcasting network. We're live from the Southport, North Carolina home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at Gridiron Greats Magazine. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my special guest co-host. He is a senior contributing writer to Good Angrets Magazine, a football memorabilia with one of the most advanced early football collections in the country, especially for the Potsdam Maroons and other early college and NFL football teams. He's the driving force behind vintage football community, and he hails from Virginia. I'd like to welcome to our show as our guest co-host, Mr. Jeff Payne. Jeff, welcome to the show this evening. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Man, you're in rare form tonight. The move south is agreeing with you, I guess, huh? We're neighbors now. We're stone we stone from each other. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, a, yeah, I don't it's, know what uh, kind of stone, but <laughs> welcome to the South, Bob. It's welcome more like a south. more like a meteorite uh, or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very much a different different uh, vibe and a different way of life down here. I'm still trying to get used to it. Today's day 43 that we've been down here while our house is being built, and uh, we're looking at hopefully moving into the new house in, the, in November, and I'll be very happy when that happens uh i got everything in storage and uh we're currently renting a small condo here and it's uh very very different to say the least but anyways thanks for filling in our uh, regular co-host joe squires is on vacation he is diving in the galapagos islands this week good for joe and uh, jeff uh, jeff eloquently has uh volunteered to be our guest co-host and i thank you very much and i want to Hand off to you, Jeff. Uh, I think you've made some pretty interesting new acquisitions over the past year. Can you tell our audience about a few things you picked up for your collection? Yeah, sure. Be happy to. Uh, this year has been bizarre. I think you would agree, right? With the pandemic and everything, I was kind of going back through my notes to even look at, like, what did I get this year? Um, 
And, you know, overall, definitely quantity down just, I think, with the prices being as crazy as, you know, we've all talked in the past, um, quality still up, but quantity down. I think the biggest ones for me, uh, a few purchases that were Thorpe-related. I love all things Jim Thorpe, uh, obviously. I think the biggest one for me was um, a, a lot of six uh, Carlisle football real photo postcards from 1912 that I was able to snag mm-hmm. off eBay. Um, of course, that was Jim Thorpe's senior year, so you figure if they were legit, he's in them, you know, so um, it's always hard to tell on eBay, you know, whether something's legit or not, or what, you know, Correct. are they real, is this true, is this really just some some random, you know, postcards from some other team, but fortunately, one of the postcards in the lot was a a single shot of Jim Thorpe kicking the ball, it's a, a shot that's pretty pretty well known and I've seen it before and as soon as I saw that one I was like oh that's Thorpe so I was like well gosh I wonder how many of these other ones he's in the pictures of of these kind of you know random action shots so so I took a shot mm-hmm. at it mm-hmm. and ended up winning those and and got those in hand and I've been able to identify Thorpe in five of the six postcards which is pretty cool two of them he's carrying the ball uh, the other ones, he's on defense, but um, I've never seen them. Other than that one, I've never seen these images before. And they are you know, so when cool. You had, when you when you had when you had said that you had picked them up, I went back and I looked, and then, and then I said to myself, I have never seen anything like that before. So that is that is beyond rare as far as I'm concerned, and uh, that's a that's truly an amazing pickup. To say the least, which card can't you identify? Is it a player? Is it that? Um, I'm trying to think back. The because yeah, um, uh, you said you identified the five Thorpe, of the six. Yeah, other than the one with Thorpe kicking by himself, they're all the rest of them are like action shots. So they're all in action. It shows okay. like a whole all bunch right. of people. And like I mentioned, two of them that has Thorpe carrying the ball. One of them actually, one of the other advanced collectors, a Thorpe collector. He sent me an image that he found online or in one of the archives of one of those pictures, and it actually has a title underneath it that says Thorpe's carrying the ball, and it says who the who the um, the Springfield College uh, player is that was tackling him or chasing him. So that one was a confirmed, okay. you know, another confirmed image. The other ones, it was just like you know, I had to just look at the players and. Um, the the ones he was carrying the ball it was easy because he was facing the camera. A couple of the other ones, it was kind of from the side, or one was from the back. I mean, Thorpe sticks out because he was so big for his, and so thick for his, you know, his era, and he's a pretty distinctive face and neck, and of course the uniform. You know, the, all their uniforms were sort of the same, but also a little different, so you could kind of pick that out. The one I can't find him he might be in the bottom of a pile i don't know i mean none of the players that i can mm-hmm. see their face or or that are uh, um you know kind of separated enough from the masses none of them are him so he's either out of the game or he's buried in a in the in the middle of the scrum you know who knows right right and i'm wondering why they um or how the the set was produced uh, as we all know, you know, there's a lot of stuff still being uh, discovered in the hobby, especially when it comes to yeah. player postcards from from that time frame. Do you have any um, guesses as far as uh, how and why they they printed that set? Yeah. So one of the uh, the, the same advanced collector who sent me that um, that picture said that he had read, and I think I did track it down interestingly enough, that that game is pretty famous. It was Jim Thorpe's second-to-last game as a college player. And, of course, he attracted big right. crowds even in college when he played. And so they were up at Springfield. He scored all the points, by the way, Carlisle. They won 30-24. to 24. He scored all 30 points. So it was also <laughs> a big game for him. But what, the, what I heard was that Naismith, who, of course, invented basketball, 
And he did it while he was at Springfield College, right? It was called the Springfield Y, whatever, back then, before then, that he came home to visit some of the professors, brought his camera with him, set it up on the sidelines, and was the one that took the photos. And then they created postcards to commemorate the game and to commemorate being there thereafter. That's what I heard. And there was some, some stuff I found on the um, Springfield College site, the archive, talking about him and him coming back to the university to visit and this game happening. And so, you know, some pretty credible to me. So they could have come from, from his camera. It's kind of cool, actually. Right, right. Well, it makes, it makes it even more historically significant with Dr. Naismith actually taking the, uh, the pictures, having them produce their locally, and then uh, mm-hmm. marketing them. And, you know, how, how, many, how many could actually have been printed and how many were actually sold and, and found to this day? I'd venture to say it's maybe two or, two or three of each card in existence, that's probably a lot. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, yeah. that's just my guess on it, one way or the other. Well, so I, beyond I know that another the beyond card... Yeah, the, the Thorpe postcard of him just by himself, I know of three. So that's the only reason I knew what these were when I saw that one. I know there's three out there because right. two others have come up for auction. So I'm guessing, you know, there's there's a good chance the other ones are floating around. The problem with those is since you can't identify the players unless you knew it was from this game. And by the way, the only reason the seller knew it was from this game was these six postcards were in an envelope – he bought it at an at, at a estate sale, and it had an envelope, and on the outside of it, it said 1912 Carlisle versus Springfield football. And he didn't even know Jim Thorpe was wow. in it. He didn't know anything about these. He just posted them on the you wow. know, on on eBay, and yeah. nowhere in his description did he say the word Thorpe. Um, so he didn't wow. know wow. anything about the game. He didn't do any checking. A simple Google search would have told him, you know, that Thorpe was in this game, but. He didn't do it. So, wow, wow, unbelievable. Well, it still yeah. shows, you know, still proves to me that there are bargains that can be found. Number one and number two, if you're, you know, if you understand football history and you're, uh, you know, do your homework, you can find things out there. And I always said one of the last areas uh, before the pandemic, in my opinion, that was a great area for new finds are were paper shows and postcard shows because mm-hmm. you never know what's going to yeah. be in a dealer's box. I and mean, you spend the time going through them, you know, you'll never, you, you, you'll be shocked what you find in some of these, uh, you know, at some of these shows. And I just hope the, those types of shows come back again because there will be more finds in the future for many, many early uh, college and professional uh, team uh, type postcards to say the least. So, yeah. Uh, that's a great fun. Great find. Unbelievable. Really, now, I know you, really went happy the, the Nash, the, you went to the National, and um, did you pick up anything at the National? I'm just curious. I mean, I know you did, but anything yeah, good I picked from, up some, uh, some, or, I picked up some cool things. I picked up a nice advertising piece from the 30s um, uh, with Ken Strong, you know, obviously Hall of Famer, college and pro Hall of Famer on it. I love vintage advertisements, especially for things that they're not allowed to advertise for anymore, right? Like tobacco and, you know, you don't see as much, you know, liquor and stuff like that, you know, advertisements. This is a beautiful brandy. It's big. It's got strong in the middle. It's for a brandy company. Uh, It's just a really nice classic piece. I was just walking along talking to, you know, people at the booth, and I was chatting with this guy, and, you know, he asked what I was looking for, and I always say I'm looking for pre-war football, and he just, like, reaches under the cabinet, and he just pulls this out. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, you said you like football. I have this thing, and I thought you might like it. I was like, well, yeah, this is really sharp. So ended up picking up that, which was cool, and, you know, a few other things that are – were kind of nice, but that was one that was just totally unexpected. I didn't expect this guy to pull this out of his, you know, his, his boxes below. Yeah. Didn't even have it laying out. Yeah. 
you know, mostly baseball stuff up top, you know, as usual. But uh, mm-hmm. that was a pretty nice piece. I'm going to get it framed and hang it somewhere. That's good. That's good. Good good pickups for your for, for your collection, to say the least. And uh, getting getting back to the sort of postcards again, how how many postcards? And I know I, I asked you this question years ago. What do you estimate um, as far as how many Carlisle postcards of or different? Let me rephrase that: different position or different types of Thorpe postcards from his college years. Um, do you think were printed? As far as position or you know uh, photos, uh, uh, different types of action shots, so on and so forth. Do you have any idea on that? Uh, I can say be- between <clears throat> action shots like these and you know team postcards with him in it, um, I would guess around fifteen that I know about okay. total. Um, including also including track, right? Like you know, Olympic, mm-hmm. you know, track stuff. There, there's not a yeah, huge amount of action shots out there of him in general, right? Even pro or college. Right. Uh, but I think fifteen or twenty, probably different ones. I'm actually working on hopefully an article for you, Bob, for Gridiron Greats magazine working on a couple articles. One of them is on actually like more of a um, kind of a checklist of Thorpe, quote, cards, mm-hmm. including not just, mm-hmm. you know, what we would call traditional cards, but things like postcards and other things that you would, you know, they're cardboard. Closest you're going to probably get for Thorpe, right, in his playing days. There's not a lot. Yeah, was There's not a lot of stuff out there. Right. It was interesting because I went through, I was going through my notes this afternoon looking at, because um, I know I asked you the question, I asked a couple people the question, and basically what I wrote down was between 15 and 25, 25 being the high, 15 being the low. We're pretty much in agreement there. There is at least 15, um, probably more like 20, and there could be a few obscure pieces out there which would increase the amount of uh, actual shots of him on, on the postcard. And so but it's still uh, still active out there. there. You know, there still can be some new finds for for postcards, to say the least, or any type of postcards like that. Yeah, they're they're hiding Very, out there somewhere. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're I think, out there. I, I think the key is the key is under uh, the key is knowing what you're looking for and studying pictures of that era, especially from archives, um, you know, school websites, so on and so forth, old. Uh, football books, which to me are just an incredible uh, area of history for the early game of football, both college and professional, and seeing some of those photos in there and trying to match faces with the postcard, so on and so forth, um, you can still find stuff out there, to say the least. Uh, I've always said that there's more out there. And uh, you've proven it time and time again. With what you've been finding. Well, you know, you so, got to watch uh, on eBay. You know, like you said, you never know what's going to show up on eBay. You know, people are down on eBay. There's nothing there. It's not the same. But I tell you, if you just keep working it, occasionally something will pop up that's special. Yep, yep. I agree. I agree. It's, uh, you know, it's literally a full-time job to look at all the auctions that are out there. And you pretty much get a handle and idea of seeing uh, what's what out there, uh, who has what, so on and so forth. But eBay still uh, is the great and vast unknown as far as what you're looking <laughs> yeah. at, what you're seeing, and what you're trying to find uh, in the market there. So it's pretty interesting, to say the least. Yep. All right. Uh, our special guest is here, and I'd like to introduce him and uh, get on with our next part of our show. Our special guest tonight is pastor at the Granite United Church in Lawrence, Massachusetts, He's husband and an amazing wife who indulges his hobby, and he's in shops for some of his favorite cards. He's also father to two little girls, ages six and eight. He has lived about 30 minutes north of Boston, Massachusetts his entire life, and has been collecting sports cards on and off since 1983, when he was 10 years old. He got into football cards in the mid-1990s. He's a huge fan of Pedro Martinez and the entire Boston-New England Patriots dynasty. And those make up the majority of his collection. 
The PSA set registry changed the game for him and really brought the hobby to a whole new level for him. He hails from Massachusetts. I'd like to welcome to our show tonight, Mr. Joe Guerin. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me here and giving me an excuse to indulge in the hobby for an afternoon. Nothing I like doing more than uh, flipping through the cards and talking talking sports. Good. I, uh, you got me homesick tonight. So uh, being from <laughs> being from New England, as I said before, this is the first uh, fall I'm uh, not up there in 62 years. But at the same time, this is the first time I figured out in 56 years I'm not raking leaves this fall. Uh, kind of a nice That's break a benefit for, me. <laughs> for you, right? <laughs> Pros and cons to everything. I've been. I figured I'd started raking leaves when I was six years old at my parents' house, and I've done it for fifty-six plus years. So it's kind of kind of neat not to worry about it. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Joe, I'm going to lead off and ask you: How did you become a fan of football and the Boston New England Patriots? Well, I was a shrewd investor. That's how. In uh, 1983, I got into baseball cards, and I was a, I was a huge baseball fan for a 10-year-old and was in it passionately. I watched the other sports a little bit, but I wasn't, you know, wasn't really vested in it. But then in 1993, when the Patriots drafted Drew Bledsoe, there was so much hype, so much excitement, that I was decided I was going to be a shrewd investor and for the first time ever buy a card not because I was a fan, but because I was going to retire off these things one day. So I bought myself a 1994 <laughs> finest Drew Bledsoe rookie card. And uh, not, not even the 93 SP. I bought a 94 finest. And uh, as you can imagine, I have not bought a house off my profits from that. But because I, because I had it, I'm like, all right, I bought it. There's so much hype. This guy is going to change the franchise. Let's start watching some football. And as soon as I started watching Drew Bledsoe, uh, you know, NFL just hooked me in and be quickly became the sport I paid the most attention to. Wow. That's a, uh, that's, that's, that's a great that's a... story. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, great story. I got to, I got to throw, I got to throw out my story. Uh, I got a couple of years on you, Joe, uh, back in 1976, my buddy and I used to drive up to Foxborough. Uh, my mom would make us a couple of sandwiches and a couple of bottles of uh, Coca-Cola and a bag of potato chips, and we'd go up there for the day for the game. We did not have tickets. We'd buy them, believe it or not, at the stadium and then just work our way down through the game. Now, again, the Patriots were not that great back in the 70s, so we decided because, again, if uh, you probably remember Foxborough had one way in and one way out there, Trying to get out of there was uh, incredible. So we would leave sometimes right after halftime and start our head, our head home back to North Bradford, Connecticut. And, uh, wow, I, what memories of, of uh, where they've been and where they are today. It's just incredible to say the least. Amen. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, that route one's a mess. It's still a mess. It's not as bad as it was, but. <laughs> yeah, nothing could be fine. Yeah, That's all i got to say. Yeah. Nothing. I can, I can still I can still rem- still remember this to this day. We went to a preseason game. I'll never forget. It was the Eagles and the, and the Patriots, and it was a Saturday night game. And we literally got home like three o'clock Sunday morning. Uh, after it, the traffic was just it was and it was a preseason game on top of it. And there was a couple big accidents, so like the road was shut off. And like my buddy and I are both saying, "Wow, we should just get a room up here." And I said, nah, we'll sleep in the car or whatever. And then we just we just toughed it out, and then we finally got home. What a trip. That, you know, what a game that was. <laughs> Anyways, that's a great story on board. I like that one. That is, that is a great story. Well, it's good to have another Patriots fan on here, Joe. You know, I mean, we got to gang up on Bob. You know, being from up there, he's not a Patriots fan, a Packers fan, but I'm, I'm a oh, lifelong terrible. Patriots fan, too. So, um yeah, I predate you by a little bit, but, you know, I always tell people when they ask me who my team is, I always say I'm a lifelong Patriots fan just to, yes. you know, separate myself from the Johnny-come-latelys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when I was growing up, there was only one other kid in my high school that was a fan of the Patriots. I grew up in western Pennsylvania, that's why. And we used to commiserate because they weren't very good. 
at that time. And, and then uh, they got good. And I saw him actually at a college reunion. And I was all excited to see, or a high school reunion. I was all excited to see him. I was like, oh, man, good to see you. You still like the Patriots? He goes, no, I gave up on them a long time ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> poor, poor timing yeah. there. Yeah, I know. He made a bad decision. But it's funny you mentioned your Drew Bledsoe card. So how did you get involved with collecting? I know you collect autographed Patriots cards. How did you get into that part of the hobby? And do you have, do you have Bledsoe and Brady autographed cards? You know, Brady's I, rookie was the one you really want, right? Yeah, Brady's one I really want. It's still uh, it's a white whale for me because it's a little out of my price range. He's, uh, he's, he's a little pricey. Uh, so – Again, going back to the, the childhood stuff, it's so so much of this hobby, you know, while it's it's no longer cheap, um, it's just so much nostalgia. And for me, when I was, you know, 13, 14, um, I was doing a lot of through the mail, uh, through the mail autographs, mailing it to the teams, all baseball back then. But, you know, when I would get those back, man, I just thought that was the coolest stuff ever. Like, I just assumed that, you know, it was a, a super rare collectible, which it is compared to the, to the uh, you know, just your base card. But then the, to think about the player, you know, holding it and signing it and sending it back, to me it just helped me connect even more. And, uh, man, I just loved it. So then, you know, fast forward years later and, um, you know, when the, the pack started making, you know, you get it right from the pack, autograph from the player. It, it just kind of translated for me as still, man, this, this is – even cooler this this is even you know uh more special and you know some people think it's it's uh you know hype or the new junk era and they could be right but for me this has always been hobby first so even if it is it that won't bother me too much um but yeah so i've just been passionately pursuing my everybody that is part of the especially the the last 21 years of the patriots um i try to get PSA graded rookie from everybody that was a key part of those teams, and then I also try to get an autograph card of them as well. Wow, that's fantastic! Yeah, I dig autographs. I mean, I didn't start there either, and I don't have a boatload of autograph cards. But you know, a good buddy of all of Bob and I, Todd Tobias, he's like Mister AFL, and he's Mister Autographs from the AFL. And I don't know, just looking at his stuff over the years and different forms and I actually got a chance to get out to his where he where he lives one time and looking at some of them it's just it's kind of cool to not just have a card as a player but have their autograph on that card right and so i've yeah. kind of gotten into it a bit you're way into it for your patriot stuff yeah i love it and it's just you know for me it was the whole hobby like i i was all in as, as a child, you know, up to my, you know, probably about 20 ish. Um, and it was something that, you know, after I was in it for a few years, my dad did it with me. Uh, you know, he enjoyed sports. He had never really collected, but it was a great father son thing. And those are some of the most cherished memories. You know, my, my dad's still with me still, still, uh, he doesn't collect anymore. He, he likes to talk about my cards, but you know, that's when I look back on those early days, it was just such a great quality time. And, um, you know, then the, you know, the junk era finally became the junk era. Everything imploded. My dad and I, I remember we bought a, this is going baseball. I won't talk a lot of baseball, but we bought a 1990 Topps shipper that they have in the supermarkets because we were going to make bank. <laughs> we, we were going to catch wow. in big time. We had <laughs> stacks of every rookie from 1990 Topps, and we knew we were going to be rolling in it. And, uh, yeah, we were rolling in it all right. <laughs> so, um but yeah, so I ended up, you know, I moved, you know, moved out of the house, got, you know, got a job, all that stuff. And, and the hobby started to take a backseat. I never really quit, quit. Like I always carried the cards with me and, you know, maybe I'd pick up a card or two a year, but, but not, not too, too much. And then um, probably about seven years ago, my parents built a new home and my father called me up and I had my cards with me and he kept all his stuff at home. And he said, you know, Hey, uh, Joe, I'm, you know, we're, we're moving our stuff out, and these cards aren't coming with me. So come get them. He's like, I don't care what you do with them. You can throw them away if they're garbage. You can keep them. You can sell them, keep the money, do whatever you want with them. But none of them are coming with me, so come over here and take it all out. So I went and I got all of his stuff, and 
in my house, you know, I had a, you know, pretty good sized stack of cards. A lot of it was junk, you know, a lot of it was Chris Sabo's and Matt Noakes. And, um, you know, then, then when I got his stack, which was just as big, I'm like, man, what am I going to do with all this stuff? Like this just, it's just an overwhelming amount and I have no place to store this. So it became, you know, just something I, I spent many, many hours sorting through it. And you're just sorting out. This was the good stuff. This was, this was the junk. And, uh, and man, it just sucked me right back in. The hobby just pulled me right back in. And, um, I had so much going on at the time. I was, uh, I, I work at a supermarket up here called market basket. I used to work there. I was a dairy manager. So I'd be working on a lot of hours there. I was also pastoring and I was also a husband and father to two small children. So I had a lot going on and the guy. Yeah. And there, there just wasn't a lot of downtime. And when I sorted through all those cards and it was like, Oh wow, this is like, <laughs> this is like 13 again, like <laughs> zero responsibilities. And just, it was just such a decompression for me that it just brought the hobby back to life. And I'm just like, man, I'm all in now. So what I started doing was, you know, while I had 70%, 75% of my collection was, was junk from the junk era. But my dad, you know, he had real income when we were collecting back then. So he had some nicer stuff. And I started just sorting through all of it. And all the guys that I wasn't a fan of, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start selling these off on, you know, eBay or Facebook and letting that money store up in uh, PayPal. And then I'm going to go after the iconic cards from my youth, the ones that were like the untouchables, cards that I could only dream about. So that's how I started. I started selling like, you know, Ricky Henderson rookies who just wasn't interested. And I started going after, you know, I, I have a vintage. I got a 1933 Babe Ruth. I got a couple uh, T206s like Cy Young and Walter Johnson. Started going after those iconic cars that like I never thought I would ever see in person, let alone own. And, um, you know, and then it quickly became, you know, not enough. The hobby, just pulled, the hobby pulls you right in. And uh, Pedro Martinez was always my favorite player. And the set registry, man, did it change the game for me. Because Pedro Martinez, I think, is one of the most underrated players ever, uh, which is saying a lot because he's well-respected. But he, what he did during the steroid era was just unbelievable. But all of his cards are all in the junk era. So they were all hmm. worthless. There was nothing to chase. Well, now I could chase them. So I'm try to, trying to get one of every Pedro Martinez card from his playing days, which I'll be chasing that for the rest of my life. But, um, you know, and that, that sucked me in. And then the more the Patriots dynasty continued and the more like in the off, you know, in the football season, I'd just be so sucked in. I started picking up a card here, a card there. And the longer this went, I'm like, man, this is really just something so special. Like to see a, a dynasty that's this dominant for this long um, and I won't say was, I'll say is, because I'm all Mac Jones. Let's go, brother. Mac Jones is going to bring <laughs> this thing to a whole other level. I'm not giving up. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that right, changed man. my focus. And, right. <laughs> and now it's, I'd say it's, I'd say 80% of what I buy now is Patriots. I still go after my Pedros. I, I stopped doing the vintage. So it's Pedro Martinez and probably 80% Patriots. Wow. 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 Joe, can you uh... – Describe to our audience uh, the top six, your top six items in your collection. Sure. Uh, man, it, it was tough to narrow that down. Um, my first one, this would be kind of, you know, when you, when you think about top cards in your collection, it's hard to think that this would make the cut. But I got a 1995. This is right in the middle of the junk era. It's a Topps insert called Air Raid. And it's got Drew Bledsoe and Ben Coates on it. And this is your classic 90s mm -hmm. junk era. I mean, it's, there's nothing special about it, but um, it, it was, you know, autographed in person. And to me, that was the beginning. I, I, they won't get a lot of credit for the, for the franchise. Um, well, not for the, they get a lot of credit for the franchise. They won't get a lot of credit for the dynasty. But, I mean, that 93, Drew Bledsoe coming in, he really changed everything. Mm -hmm. And Ben Coates was my, my first favorite player. And uh, Oh, yeah. Man, those guys, yeah, they just lit it up. And so that's, that's the first one I'll share. So it's an Air Raid 1995 top signed by Bledsoe and Coates. 
Uh, my wow. second one, I, I have the 1991 Pro-Line Portrait Bill Belichick autograph. Man, the GOAT. Mm-hmm. All right. And, yeah. and that's one, man, hobby and investment. I just think, man, every year this guy's legacy just grows a little stronger. Uh, you know, I, I believe he's going to win more Super Bowls even without Brady, and that's going to further etch that in stone. No no knock on Brady. That guy's he's my, my all-time favorite player. But I think that uh, that's one of those you had two goats together. It's not one without the other. That was a, a joint effort. And uh, that Belichick is definitely a treasured collection for me. I have here in front of me a uh, 2017 Majestic Wondrous Receiver Troy Brown autograph, numbered to 25. Troy Brown was, man, that's just one of those guys. He was just so special. I just love his, you know, I love his attitude. I love the way he played. I love that, you know, the, the whole dear job. I mean, that guy would do anything, anytime. He was just the, the consummate patriot. And the card's just gorgeous. It's a black mm-hmm. and white card with uh, on, on card signature and gold ink. It's just beautiful. Love Troy. Um, next one I'll share is it's a 2020 Spectra. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people don't like the, the new shiny stuff. But uh, And a lot of times I avoid it myself. It, it does in a lot of ways remind me of the junk era. But this one here is a commemorative card of, of um, Teddy Bruschi from Super Bowl 36, commemorating that. And it's uh, gold, prism-looking, um, autographed, numbered one of one. And, man, it's just beautiful. And you know, he's in there hoisting the trophy. And that Super Bowl 36, man, <laughs> just brings it right back. Brings it right back to all those memories of that day. And that amazing, uh, amazing run. Uh, next yeah, one is one that my wife the, actually uh, purchased. Third, I always tell everybody that's the fourth best day of my life. Marriage, <laughs> two kids being born, and that first Super Bowl was unbelievable as a yep. Patriots fan. I can, I can still hear and John yeah. Madden saying, I, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. Yeah, they should just I let this know. clock they run out. Put the ball, let the clock run out and play for overtime. <laughs> yeah, no, not Belichick and Brady, man. Yep. That was great, great day. such a day. I still remember it like it was yesterday. You give me warm fuzzies, Joe. Yes, amen. <laughs> uh, my wife actually bought me this next one. It's a 2020 Select uh, Black numbered one of one Willie McGinnis autograph with a with a piece of his jersey in it, and wow. the, the jersey's got a piece of the uh, logo in it. Beautiful card. And Willie McGinnis, he's one of the guys. You know, the, the the more I've read throughout all these years, it was just he was such a key piece of building that culture. Um, and again, he he gets a lot of credit, but I just think he's. He was just such an integral piece of what we're still seeing. I think he helped build it. He helped maintain it. He helped get into that uh, where the players are passing it on. So it's going from team to team. And, uh, yeah, he's just he's a personal favorite player of mine. And my last sixth, uh, the sixth most uh, favorite, it is a Tom Brady autograph, but it's a mini helmet. I don't have a card of his yet. I do have the mini helmet though, and it's got the uh, the old logo, Pat Patriot, and uh, you know, can't get better than an autograph of the goat. Guy just transcends. Bring back, bring, bring back Pat. Hey, Joe, That's gotta, what I say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Joe, I, Joe, quick question for you, because um, I'm yeah. not overly up on autographs, especially current guys. What what is Brady's autograph on a card going for right now? I mean, you know, are we looking at five figures? I, I mean, or, no, 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 but, but 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 neither is my budget. <laughs> um, yeah, to get a decent autograph uh, Brady card now, you're, you're looking at three, four thousand, and if you're looking at a rookie, you're looking at you're wow. looking at five figures. Wow. And, and you know what? What I what I what I really am am um, puzzled by, he has to have signed a ton of stuff in his career. So it's not like to me there's there's a shortage of them. You know what I mean? So and I and I realize, you know, I know he's he's won everything, so on and so forth. So he's in demand, and his his price for his autograph is higher. But wow, I didn't realize it was that much. That, that's a lot of money. Yeah. To say the least. I just think he he's one of those guys now that it's it's just so big. Like you know, like your Michael Jordan, like your Mickey Mantle. Um yeah, yeah. 
like yeah. your Wayne Gretzky. Like he's he's almost bigger than the sport at this point. And uh, man, every, it seems like every year he hits and he he does something else that you're like, man, you can't, you got to be kidding me. He he's got to be done. And nope, nope, there's another record. There's another untouchable mark that he's shattered, and it's just man, it's crazy. Yeah, next week wow. he's going to break Drew Brees' record again for most yeah. yards, right? He's about to surpass him again. It's a shame he's going to do it at a loss. Oh, would that be sweet or what? It, that, that would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not counting that. I'm not counting on that, though. I hate to say it, no. <laughs> but I'm going to be rooting hard. <laughs> hey, any um, any interesting stories about you know your search for autographs, your search for items, Patriots items, other items in your collection, anything you want to relay in terms of an interesting story about how you came upon something, got something? Uh, I think you guys will love this one. So this is going to have to do with that the uh, Tom Brady mini helmet. So this is eight years ago, uh, right around Christmas time, I got to go to an event at Gillette. And um, it was a meet and greet. You There was a little interview from Tom Brady. It was something that uh, – I was able to do through my work at the time and uh, there was only a couple hundred people there. And so, you know, Tom came out and he answered a few questions and um, everybody got to, you know, just hear from him. And then, you know, you got to go up afterwards and just get a picture with him. And um, at the end of the event, they gave everybody an autographed mini helmet. But so when you're heading up to go, you know, they, they, there's still about, you know, 200, 250 of us. So they were very clear. They're like, when you guys go up there, you know, he, he's, it's been a long day. He's got a lot of people to go through here. We've got a, a tight timeline. You know, this isn't time for conversation. Shake his hand, say hello, and step aside. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, how many chances in my life am I going to get to talk to Tom Brady? So back st- go, going backwards about an hour, my wife and I, we were – seven months pregnant at the time and it was our first baby and we had been arguing about our daughter's name all along good arguments but we we were debating the whole time we couldn't we couldn't land on a girl's name on the way to Gillette we decided what we were going to name our daughter and I'm like all right we're not changing and she's like no I agree we're going with this like all right so we get up to see Tom Brady and I say Hey, Tom, you know, thank you so much for taking the time and doing this. I'm sure after, you know, long day here at the field, you know, you lots of things you'd like to do. So I appreciate you taking the time and hanging out with us. And uh, this may seem a little weird, but we're going to tell you the name of our unborn baby's, our, our unborn daughter's name. And nobody else knows. So that when she grows up, I can tell her that the first person to know your name was Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Brady. And he's like, what is it? And my wife is like, it's Madison McKenna Garen. And he's like, I love it. <laughs> so so you know, we shake his hand, get his picture. And uh, my brother had also gone to the event, but he wasn't in my party. And uh, so he was trying to eavesdrop. And he, I come off to the side, and he's like, I was trying to listen. Did you tell Tom the baby's name? I'm like, yeah. He goes, what is it? I goes, none of your business. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 seriously. I go, seriously, it's none of your business. So I'm driving home, and my father calls me, and uh, he was the one that hooked me up with the tickets, and he says, uh, y- your brother told me that you told Tom the baby's name? I said, yeah. And he <laughs> says, well? I said, listen, can't Tom, Shelley, and I have our little secrets? All you need to know is that he approved. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm serious. I go, yeah, so am I. So for three weeks, nobody knew her name but Tom Brady. Oh, classic. Uh, hey, if he had said, uh, how many signed items can I give you to name her Brady? How many would it have taken? <laughs> probably just one. <laughs> I'd well, probably change it. It's your wife, probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, she she is she's as big of a Tom Brady fan, if not bigger than me. Actually, uh, I'm gonna say she is bigger because this week she'll tell me she's torn. This week she's rooting oh, for the Bucks. Oh, so we'll, we'll have some tension here. I, I want Tom Brady to look really good, but I still want him to lose. Oh boy. So, yeah, there'll be a little bit of tension this weekend. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. What a story! That that is incredible. Yeah. Probably, I could I could just picture Brady coming home that night and and uh, saying, "Hey, some guy told us uh, told me what his kid's name's going to be," and uh, <laughs> you know, talk about it type of thing. 
You know, something completely off track. Completely off track, and it probably sticks in his mind all the time, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> that's a great story. I love that. That's great. Um, Joe, question. Are you, are you yeah. have any want list? Are you looking uh, for any particular items besides Pedro's uh, cards for your collection? Yeah, so there's, there's two big ones. Um, one is I, I, I that SP authentic Tom Brady rookie graded by PSA. Uh, you know, um, no way I'll ever see a 10, probably not a 9. But I, I've been thinking about the investment side of me tells me never do it. But like trade my vintage baseball to get a PSA eight, maybe a nine if I could find the find the right one. Uh, investment wise, it's it's probably not smart. But passion wise, you know this this is I don't to be honest, I barely even watch baseball now. I couldn't really tell you what's going on. Once once the Red Sox won the World Series, that that, that was it for me. That was the uh, that was the carrot I was waiting for all those years. And then I just kind of slowly mm-hmm. fell out of it. So getting that getting the Brady rookie that would be a big one for me. Uh, the second one is surprisingly tough to find is Kevin Falk's rookie, PSA graded in a 10. Mm. And uh, there's only four copies in existence your... that have been graded at 10. 1999. There's uh, four graded copies, uh. and three of them are in set registries, so I know they're not going anywhere. So there's basically one floating around that I'm hoping someday will turn up and I can jump on it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize awesome. something from. I I didn't realize something from 1999 would be that that scarce. I mean, uh, you figure with all the production of it, maybe it just um, for whatever reason didn't get a lot of grading on it, or or there's yeah, no well, tens I mean, out there. You know, it, it was a numbered card. I I can't remember what it's great, what it's numbered to. It's probably like 1300 or something like that. And I, I you know Kevin Falk for me, you know this that's the hobby side. A, a lot of these guys I chase. You know, I, I I know I know I'm not retiring off this one day. Like these these guys aren't um, they aren't household names outside in New England. A lot of people won't know who they are, especially 10, 15 years from now. Um, so I think a lot of the Kevin Fox probably probably aren't even going to get graded, um, and a lot of them probably weren't taken care of either because he was never never that household name. But for me, he was just one of those clutch guys who you just man, he was just I found him to be incredibly talented. And we just never really had that run first attack, and he, he was just always—he's just always that guy that just came up big. You know, guys like him, James White. Uh, I think they'll always be undervalued in the hobby because they don't put up the big stats. But if you actually watch the games, those are some of those guys that really set the tone. They change the momentum. Um, they help with the culture. Really, really top-notch guys. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Joe, off script, how many autographs of the Patriots do you actually have? Have you kept count or estimate count of how many pieces, cards, uh, I would uh, estimate, et cetera? It's probably about 100, 150. It's about 150. Wow. Okay. Impressive. That is impressive. And they're And they're mostly cards, right, with the exception, obviously, of the Brady mini helmet and and I know you had a few photos here and there. Yeah, I, 90, 99% of it is – I don't – like, I have some memorabilia like that. I, it's not something I collect. If I could trade the Brady mini helmet for for a card, I would do it in a second. The, the cards are my collection. The other stuff is just stuff that I accumulate over the years and, you know, don't want to part with. That's neat. Very neat. That's great stuff, Joe. Hey, can you give us some advice or give collectors some advice on if you're just getting into the hobby, you're collecting football cards, memorabilia, what advice would you give to new people to the hobby? Oh, man. With the amount of stuff being out there right now, it is overwhelming. So if there was one piece of advice, I would say to spend some time and think about what is it that you will enjoy chasing the most. But be um Man, it, you know, when I when I first started collecting, it was like, oh, that guy's good. Oh, that guy's good. Oh, that's a good price. And you very quickly, you'll run out of room in your house. You'll run out of money. <laughs> you, 
you, you got to have a focus. You, you got to you got to know who you like, why you like them, and what you're going after. Um, and if if it's a hobby, man, then then 100%. You know, collect what you like. You know, I like William McGinnis, Kevin Falk, Troy Brown. Those cards are, you know, I'm not going to make a, a killing on them when I if if these get sold someday. But every time I flip through them, man, it, it it's doing what the hobby's supposed to do. It, you know, it, it's bringing that joy, that enjoyment, that connection to the game. If you're an investor, if if this is just an investment for for you, you got to go iconic. It, it has to be. It, it has to be Tom Brady. It has to be, you, you know, uh, Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle or Wayne Gretzky or Michael Jordan because uh, it's just, Hall of Fame's not good enough. If, if you're an investor long-term, Hall of Fame's not good enough anymore. Um, there's a lot of really good players. And, and if you're investing, you will make money. They will slowly go up. But, like – you know, I just think about even like Marshall Falk, who was a guy I really liked when I first jumped in into the into football. Marshall Falk really impressed me, and I really enjoyed watching him. In terms of investment, man, I, I it's just not there. It, it's you, you have to be you have to be a goat, and anything else in terms of investment, if if that's all you're looking at it as, I wouldn't do it. Now, as a fan, go after whatever you like. And that I've, I've always I've always thought that I know some guys that collect some stuff that to me, man I don't even know if I'd keep it if I had it, but but I I'm glad that they like it and collect it and chase it because that that's the fun of it, that's the fun the fun is the chase to find the thing that you, you, you struggled to get and then and the flip through it and be like man I remember when I couldn't find that or or if it brings you back to a moment man I remember that game I remember that play, that's what it's all about. That's great advice. Thanks, Joe, for that. That's awesome. Totally awesome. Yeah, that was, that was good, Joe. That, that summarized it quite well because, uh, you know, in the market today, I still maintain you have a hobbyist and you have the investor. And can they co- coexist with one another? I guess they can, you know, in their, in their limited fashion. But at the same time, like I always tell people, if you're, if you're that concerned about investing, go into the stock market. You know what I mean? Right. And, and leave the hobby be the hobby. And again, yep. to, to really date myself, you know, in my days collecting in, in the beginning, again, I had I had no concept whatsoever that a set even existed. And I just bought the cards and kept putting them together, you know, putting them uh, in order, putting them in team order, so on and so forth. But back then, collecting to me was if you went to a game, you got a program, you had a ticket stub. Most places had pocket schedules available, so I'd pick up one of those. And then there was always magazines on the newsstand, Sports Illustrated, Sport, you know, the annuals of, of the day. And to me, that's what that's what collecting was all about. So I still have a, I still am very, very, uh, to- very close to publications because I really think they're, you know, they uh, they were classic sports at one time, especially in the 50s, 60s, and up through the 80s, whereas today now there's, there's virtually no sport magazine on the market. Everything's online, yada, yada, yada. But uh, that that's uh, that was real collecting for me, too. So it's, a, it's an interesting perspective seeing where you come from. And uh, it's yeah. a great story, to say the least. I love I love that Brady story, though. I got a I got home for him to go. <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, that's great. I, I love what I, I love what you're saying there about the heart of collecting because that that's that's how it's always been for me too. Like I I've got stacks of newspapers from you know the day after the big Super Bowl wins. Again, are, are they mm-hmm. worth a ton? Probably not, but they are to me, and, and that's that's where the fun is. And um, in terms of like you you had mentioned, uh, you know the investors and the collectors and can they coexist? It it it's I always find it kind of funny how much of um, I don't want to say hate. Hate's a strong word. But how much they, they like to argue against each other. Man, I think it's all great for the hobby. Yeah. I really do. Um, you know, I look at some of the stuff that people are buying now and they're paying huge money for, and, and I don't get it. Uh, like, there is no way. I, I even like that guy. There's no – like, some of the Tom Brady cards that are coming out now that aren't even that rare are worth twice as much as his rookies. I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, and and I, would crazy, never, yeah. I would never fork that amount out. But the fact that there's new money coming into the hobby and new collectors jumping in, it, it, I think it's great. I, I mean, it, it's only going to help the whole thing overall. 
um, you know, after the junk era when everything crashed in the in the early '90s, you know, I still collected, but it, it looked like it was, you know, this might be petering out, <laughs> that this might be heading down a bad path, and you know, to see it make this yeah. kind of comeback yeah. and to see the way, I mean. You know, I I don't like what happened, like, at people fighting over packs. I, I don't like any of that, but I like the fact that people wanted the cards, <laughs> you know? I think that's exciting. Yeah. So whatever yeah, whatever they bring to the yeah. hobby, it's a plus. Yeah, no, you don't hear many yeah, people can... talking about how when the baby boomers die off, the hobby's going to die anymore. Isn't that funny? Like, right. five years ago, that's all you heard about was, you know, as soon as these right. people are dead, nobody's going to want right. their stuff. Well, that that is sure swung around hasn't it correct that's a good thing it's a good thing for everybody mm-hmm. yeah i agree i agree well john we're almost out of time thank you for being on and sharing your uh, collection and your stories with us uh, that was a great trip down memory lane and i uh again i appreciate you taking time out of your schedule for coming on to the show and thanks for being on i appreciate the opportunity thank you guys hope you have a great night Nice, Joe. You too. And again, if you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats Magazine, what are you waiting for? Check out our what website, com. What are you waiting for? All right, we've got a few more minutes left. For? We're going to go into our two-minute warning. Jeff, I'm going to hand off to you. What you pick up on tonight's show? Uh, I could talk to Joe all day, probably because he's a Patriots fan, of course, but – um, no, what passion he has. He said two words that I really keyed it on that I'm just really on board with. One is, you know, that, that you should focus on the things you're passionate about and you love. And he just shows so much passion, you know, for what he collects and what he likes. And for the hobby, he's everything that's right about the hobby, right? And he said fun too, right? I mean, it's supposed to be fun. This isn't, you know, something that's supposed to be stressful, you're, you know, upset or get mad and you miss on stuff or don't win it. I mean, that's not what hobbies are for, right? It should be fun. And Joe is just, he's just right on it. I could just listen to him all day talk about his stuff. Because he's got such passion and he's so focused just on enjoying the hobby and having fun and collecting what you love and just doing it the right way, you know? I I just love talking to people like that. You know, I agree 100 percent. I agree 100 percent. It's nice. Nice to hear somebody that passionate about their collection, enjoying it for what it is. And, uh, you know, you got your white whales you're going to go for and you'll pick them up at some point and uh, mm-hmm. you keep it in perspective. And I and that's very, very important in, in, in the hobby itself. And, uh, you know, I always I always tell people. You know, if you don't keep it in perspective and you make it another job, it's really not collecting. It's not a hobby in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, again, you got to keep everything in in perspective, to say the least. So, uh, it's important. It's important. I've been very, very uh, blessed over the years to to see in person and to talk to people about their collections, hundreds of collections. And uh, it just never ceases to amaze me that I could talk to a new guest on a show, go and uh, interview somebody mm. for the Super Collector article for the magazine. And uh, I'm always amazed at what's out, what people are collecting and their viewpoints on the collections and their, their passion and enjoyment for the collections. It's, it's just uh, it's great. It makes uh, me feel good that there is going to be a future of the hobby when I'm long gone and uh, people are still going to be collecting those 65 tall boys and, and a lot of others. Absolutely. All right, we've got about a minute left. About a minute left. Jeff, any final thoughts in 30 seconds or less? Uh, let's just keep this hobby rolling, Bob. I mean, it's people like Joe and you that make it work. And, I mean, let's just keep sharing knowledge. And, you know, obviously you and I, we talk a lot on VFC and whatnot. And we just got to keep pushing people to focus on the positives in the hobby and focus on having fun and passion and, just enjoying each other, right? Just having fun, talking, and hanging out like we just did with Joe. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yep, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, we're almost out of time. Again, check our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com, and uh, that's all we have for tonight. Thanks for listening. Hopefully we're going to be back within the next couple of weeks with another
another episode. And, Jeff, thanks for filling in tonight. And I appreciate you coming on. And we'll be talking. Thanks for listening. It's fun. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.